Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. We're doing that different intro again. I've got Artif with me just because, just because, Disney literally unloaded uh, everything they've ever thought of making in the world in one go. And during that, they unloaded about 50,000 Star Wars shows. <laughs> Which yeah, yeah. is for for me and Ards and for all the other Star Wars fans in the world. Dude, isn't it the best news ever? You know, I mean, we were talking about this throughout the... Uh these um, Mandalorian podcasts about you know how great it would be to have an Ahsoka Tano kind of spin off and all these other areas that they can explore. Uh, I'm even reading that there might be a Boba Fett spin off now off you know off this. So um, it's 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 Christmas come early in a way, isn't it? <laughs> it's Christmas. Disney are like, gosh, people have had the worst year ever. And <laughs> just announce everything at once. <laughs> stuff, stu- stuff dripping, feeding this out like over a few weeks. Let's just give them everything we possibly can. And we're talking like, you've got, obviously we knew about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, but we've yep. got the amazing news that Hayden Christensen is back mm-hmm. um, as Darth Vader. We've got Rangers of the Republic, which is set during the Mandalorian time. We've got Ahsoka series. We've got a Star Wars Vision series. We've got a Rogue Squadron series, which is going to be directed by Patty Jenkins. Um, And we've obviously got the Cassian Andor series, and we've got like a sizzle making of reel for that, and it all looks badass. Look, guys, there's so much to discuss when it comes to this. We're just going to do a whole episode about it, but we just thought we'd mention it on the intro into this episode, which we're obviously discussing the believer the next chapter in the mandalorian series so without further ado here's the next episode of the jedi order podcast okay so we're here to talk mandalorian but, I mean, firstly, I was just because I saw Artif on the We Do This via Skype video. He had the same PlayStation controller as me, which I just thought was entertaining enough to talk about. I was asking, what were you, dude? So, were you a PlayStation kid all the way through, or were you other consoles? So, uh, yeah, growing up, we were a Nintendo household initially. Um not not to say that, of course, like PlayStations weren't great and Xboxes and whatnot, but we were quite heavily into Nintendo, my brother and I. So up until the GameCube were purely Nintendo. And then once the Wii came out, I personally, I didn't like standing up to play games and move around. I prefer sitting down and just, you know, <laughs> just playing playing a game from my, my sofa rather than having to, you know, possibly smash a vase with my hand, um, you know, when I'm trying to hit a tennis shot or something on a Wii. So after the Wii came out, I kind of went off um, Nintendo and went more towards PlayStation, actually, PlayStation 3. Um, and then, of course, PlayStation 4, which for me is like the ultimate console. But now, you know, now that PlayStation 5's out and no one can get it, 
it seems like i mean that's the new ultimate console which is i mean i don't know it looks a bit it's a bit expensive and it's a bit massive at the moment for me and i'm I'm kind of not gaming too much at the moment so it seems a bit unnecessary especially with all these um uh you know uh reports of them being stolen so i'm gonna have to go and my my, my doorbell's ringing ben uh, two seconds <laughs> you go and answer that doorbell <laughs> I mean, obviously, guys, also, what I didn't forget to say in the introduction is I didn't miss out the fact that there's the Bad Batch series, the animated series, following on from the Clone Wars, which we saw a trailer for, and it looks absolutely badass. And then there was the Lando series, the um, Acolyte series, and a Droid Story series. I mean, so many to think about. It was kind of melting my mind at one particular point. But to go back to what you were saying, dude... um, I highly recommend anybody who is a console fan or was a loved playing the consoles when a kid. I'm a PlayStation guy through and through. I went PlayStation 1 all the way up to I've got the 4 now and I'll probably get the 5. But before that, I was a Sega. We were a Sega household. And when I say a Sega household, it was just me. (laughs) (laughs) My sisters were already too old to not uh, play that. But I've got both the PlayStation Mini, which is the PS1 Classic Mini, which has 20 games installed on it, mm. um, and I've got the Sega Mega Drive Mini. So I think if you're a Nintendo household, I would highly recommend, even because everybody should treat themselves this Christmas, treat yourself to the Mini Super Nintendo, because oh. it's just got the the massive wave of nostalgia you get from playing that with the original controllers the fact it's hdmi and it's just so simple into any television it's honestly the best decision i think you'll make <laughs> yeah i mean I, i've se- i remember that i remember when they came out um the, the mini super nintendos and they sold out again in like five seconds and but that is something that yeah i mean as a nintendo fan i would love to get my hands on one of those treat and- yourself Treat yourself. <laughs> Need to treat yourself this year, you know. Twenty twenty, it's been hard enough without good gaming. Jeez. Everyone go on Amazon now. And treat themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, uh, as this is a Star Wars podcast, just a shout out to one of the greatest games of all time. For personally, from my point of view, uh, on the uh, on the GameCube um, was Rogue Squadron. Star Wars Rogue Squadron. I mean, hearing that there's a Rogue Squadron uh, series now coming out. I mean. Uh, that's gonna be awesome because the games were just unbelievable, unbelievable. Like being able to do the, you know, the Death Star trench runs, and <laughs> I mean, and even the sequels where you're fighting on Naboo as well. I mean, they were so much fun, and they gave me so many hours of joy throughout my childhood. So, and that was one of the things that actually really grew my my Star Wars sort of knowledge and love in in various ways because those games were so in depth and you know involving characters and. Whilst there were scenarios also from uh, the original movies that you you had um, all these kind of spin-off uh, missions, which meant that you kind of like Mandalorian, you know, you got to explore the galaxy in, in a, or the Star Wars galaxy, galaxy, I should say, in a in a new way and in a kind of really interesting, original and fun way. So, shout out to Rogue Squadron, Ultimate Games. When we're allowed to uh, hang out again around each other's places, I have. A Nintendo GameCube, and I have Rogue Squadron, so I will be bringing that round, and we will have a Star Wars nostalgic day. Oh God, <laughs> yes, please, thank you. <laughs> but let's also talk about that good old chap in a mask, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mister Mando, Chapter Fifteen, The Believer. Mm. 
I mean, what we're saying this time round, I mean, first thing, we get Blomfield back, and which um, his character in this one just seems even better than the brief um, cameo he got in the, um, well, not cameo, you know, one episode run in the previous series. But also, before we dive into that, I think this is the first full episode that the child is not in. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think you're right. Actually, that's a yeah, it's a good point. So they had to bring in, you know, someone lovable again. So why not get Bill Burr? You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Mr. Grinch, Bill Burr. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, uh, to be honest, I have to say I'm I'm glad to see him in back in the second series because in the first one he was he's a great character. Um, just because he was a bounty hunter and bounty hunters in Star Wars are usually pretty awesome. But also he was, you know, he's a great bit of kind of comic relief and energy as well. You know, he, he even the parts where, where, you know, he's, he's not being funny. He, he, he brings so much life to them that mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think he's a, a nice addition to the, to the kind of character set that you have. And of course, you know, cause <laughs> now that we've got <laughs> Mando, Boba Fett, um, Fennec Shan and Cara June together on this mission, I mean, you need a little bit of uh, kind of lighthearted energy on there. So he, he is really kind of the perfect addition to this episode. Um, you're, actually, you're actually right because when you like when you list those guys as cool as all these characters are <laughs> it might you know I don't think they're the most relaxed people to sit around a campfire and share a marshmallow or two are they <laughs> <laughs> no they're certainly dark and brooding you know which, yeah. is, which is how we like them you know of course but of course but I mean yeah as we you always need a bit of comic relief and uh yeah so you know uh you know getting Bill Burr or Mayfield uh you know Back in the uh, back in the saddle. I mean, it's uh, it's a great addition, and you know, he's uh, I I I really enjoy this episode, like mainly because of him in it. You know, he he really adds like a kind of a new dimension, and um, you know, like all the themes that we've discussed before on like you know previous podcasts about like the Empire and and the characters and where they kind of exist within this new Star Wars galaxy post um, post the Empire's kind of reign of terror or the the emperors i should say because then you know as we see in this episode you know the empire aren't gone uh, and they're still very operational um so to see it from um to have mayfield kind of comment in on it and obviously he you know we, we find out that he is ex-empire um as well so it's an interesting sort of perspective to um that we're kind of given into it and uh from his point of view particularly as well i yeah very much so he adds a lot to this episode it really does, and especially le- in the latter parts of the episode, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, he he just really, yeah, he does. He really does add that comic relief, that perfect comic timing as well. He's very, um, it's part of his instincts, isn't it? I very much believe, even though so, if someone's written some of these lines, I'm pretty sure Bill Burr is a ad libber and will be trying things a different way. He's just natural at that type of ability and it really does show but one thing we also get to see i love you know we're in the kind of junkyard of workplaces for these prisoners but also um when we see boba for the first time looking a bit looking a bit cooler isn't he someone's had a bit of time with his uh armor paint a little bit of a paint job and everything looking a bit stylish obviously saw the main Mando got a bit gel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I mean, he has to, you know, return himself to his former glory. So, 
why not start with uh, Shining His Armor, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, Mando is like the perfect example to follow because he, you know, you could, you could do your hair in, 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 you know, his platelets. They're so shiny and reflective. I'm also really just happy just because I think she is a brilliant actress and she's always been like top notch in everything she does. I'm really happy that Mingna Wen is getting multiple episodes and yeah. we get to see her character uh, way more than just that one episode that we briefly got um like introduced to in the first season of the Mandalorian. Um so I'm just really happy that she's getting a lot more screen time. And I do like the combination of like her and Cara June just being these kind of badass snipers from distance and just just generally being badass in multiple ways. And Mingna Wen is one of the main reasons that I think I watched Agents of Shield, the Marvel TV oh. show, when they didn't do Disney Plus when it was just on cable television in the US and TV over here. But she was one of the main reasons that I continued watching that show because she's just like she always is very magnetic in the way she performs. Also ageless. Um, yeah. yeah <laughs> seems to literally be, be looking exactly the same for the past 25, 30 years. But yeah, I'm just I'm just really happy that she's getting a, a good solid solid run and some multiple episodes. And I, I do hope she's a character that we get to see more often as uh, time goes on in, in Star Wars' Disney Plus universe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yep, agree with you on, on both fronts. I mean, Mignar Wen is, is, I mean, she is a bloody great actress, both, you know, uh, in real live action films and also, you know, as we discussed last week on Mulan, you know, within uh, Mulan, she, you know, she is the, uh, you know, she is Mulan in the original animated film, which is, uh, I mean, you know, which is, so she's great in, in so many different kind of respects in, in her Hollywood career. And yeah, to see her like, con you know, continue to be on screen, it's, she's always welcome as a, as a, as an actress and, and her character as well. I mean, for, for me, you know, as I said, like, <laughs> the bounty hunters in Star Wars are always the coolest characters. And now that we have this sort of bounty hunter team, um, you know, Ming-Na Wen's character, Fennec Shand, you know, even from what we got in the, you know, in that one episode in the first season, uh, I think it's episode five uh, or six, um, you know, she was a formidable bounty hunter there and, you know, smart and cunning and, um, you know, just a, to have her kind of added on to Mando's crew alongside Boba Fett, like the coolest bounty hunter ever in the Star Wars universe. It's, you've got this great little <laughs> crew that's starting to, to build and develop. And I mean, you know, and with the, you know, the allies that Mando has, I mean, it's not just going to be a, hopefully a bounty hunter crew. I mean, it, it could be a bounty hunter and Jedi crew. Um, so, and, and Marshall crew, I suppose, with Cara June now becoming a Marshall as well. I mean, it, it really is kind of building out to be this, like, pretty formidable little force. And, uh, you know, and I mean, and seeing them team up on last week's episode and now, like, you know, we, we're kind of thrown in directly to a mission. Is It's, uh, you just see their potential and how, how awesome they all are in it. Yeah, yeah, for definitely. Like, it's a, it's all, it's a brilliant collaboration um everybody brings like their own level of awesomeness and just like i'm looking at a scene now you know when they're discussing kind of their next move on this mining planet and seeing the transportation roll by and they're standing on the hill and you're just looking at this just assortment of badasses <laughs> just yeah. especially with now with boba fett added to like 
Boba Fett's in his crew. Yeah. <laughs> just him and Mando standing next to each other because that Mandalorian look is just such an awesome look. Um, it just everything about everything about the crew that they've as- assembled to undertake kind of the rescue mission of um, the child is brilliant. And it's also interesting because we were briefly talking about two episodes left. Oh, there's, are they going to, you know, that's, we were thinking that's it. Two episodes now is just going to be like an all out battle. But they dedicated another episode to getting towards that final showdown. So they're really teasing us all the way up until the end. One thing I must say I'm hoping for is that we really do get, like we, I think we got for the first episode, near enough an hour-long episode, because I feel there is so much to pack in, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this episode is, is um, it was longer than last week's, but it was... Uh, Just a shade under 40 minutes, isn't it? Yeah. It's between 35-40 minutes, I think, something. Yeah, so hopefully, I mean, yeah, hopefully the last one will be... Um, will be kind of yeah closer to in length to the uh, the first episode and also yeah i mean at this point who knows what's going to happen i mean from from this episode and as we've discussed like the characters that have been introduced and who might come back in the final episode for what could be an epic battle or uh, another kind of epic mission from like mando and crew um i don't know but i am certainly going to be watching first thing in the morning next week to find out because uh, <laughs> i mean it's uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, and this episode as well, even though it's not a huge kind of, you know, battle as such, it really is, again, action-packed and just, uh, you know, it, throughout season two of Mandalorian, really the the energy of the episodes and, and the, the content just haven't really let up in any way. I mean, they, they just continue to to kind of create these new exciting scenarios, which are, you know, all tied into the greater mission. And, uh, and again, you know, like, I suppose now we are kind of on, you know, more of a forest planet as, you know, as a, you know, as I was kind of, <laughs> as my original theory of the, uh, you know, mirroring the original trilogy sort of um, settings. But, um, yeah, this episode, you know, we're, we're on this forest planet. And again, given a new insight into um, the, you know, the, well, the Star Wars universe at this time and, and the way the, uh, the Empire is still operating within these sort of, outer rim uh, territories and and there's sort of and you know, what i found interesting is you know in this kind of first scene where they you know they take over the the rhydonium transport and they're they're driving through this sort of town and uh and then they get attacked by these sort of pirates you know you can see that even <laughs> i mean we, we, you know we, we saw before that anywhere the empire is usually they're kind of met with resistance and here you know it's no different so even on planets where they're kind of quite well established the people are still not happy with their presence and they will go to any measure to essentially ruin their um their plans you know by blowing up these wydonium ships which or um transports i should say which uh i thought was quite an interesting insight again you know uh very much it's also it just it's amazing seeing the star wars like element in different settings yeah. like in this kind of green foresty kind of uh almost looks kind of african in terms of the um the right. land the yeah. landscape and the mountains and the hills and the greenery and the it, it looks like this is being filmed somewhere in i would say south or middle middle africa 
really. And it's just amazing. It's just all these different elements. Seeing Star Wars in these loads of different setups, it's just so fun to see, isn't it? And and all those like distinctive things where they either be like aerials or um, I, what am I talking about? Who knows? <laughs> you know? Do you know what I mean? But like the aesthetic yeah. of yeah. the ways people houses looks the the like moisture farming sticks and yeah. barrels and everything, which all have this Star Wars distinctive look. It's just really enjoyable, and the constant evolvement of different styles of stormtrooper outfits as well is yeah. always uh, a fun thing to see but i love this whole pirate rating it felt very much indiana jones to me i don't know if you got that feeling <laughs> as well but he's like on the top battling them felt very much like indiana yeah. jones against the nazis yeah it's a, yeah that's a good point actually yeah it, it does uh, it does feel kind of like that you know those classic uh, yeah indiana jones chase scenes it's interesting that you know again yeah that they refer to as well, first of all, I have to say these pirate species, I don't think we've seen them before in, in Star Wars, which I thought was quite an interesting sort of uh, take because, you know, like throughout the Mandalorian series, we've, you know, seen so many kind of recognizable, you know, Star Wars species and uh, characters that they've kind of brought back. And here we've got this kind of new race, um, which I thought was quite, quite interesting. And, uh, and again, you know, like the fact that they're referred to as pirates, actually like, you know, on their own planet, clearly they're the, the rebels who are trying to stop the empire. And, um, which I thought was quite interesting that, you know, essentially they're kind of on the same side as the Mandalorian, but they have to fight each other for the greater good of the mission, um, which just goes to show, like, the kind of complexity of the, uh, the the Star Wars universe and, like, the way the Empire operates within it, you know? It's also, it gives us that furthermore into Bill Burr's character, doesn't it? Just in his kind of description of how things are across the galaxy and across all these different worlds, whether it's Republic or it's Empire. He's like, we're all kind of doing the same thing. People just aren't obviously allowed to be free. And obviously, they're not quite doing the same thing because, as we know, the Republic tends to be a lot better than having the Empire rule you. Uh, <laughs> but but it's just interesting because we get... I, I very much like the way I'm talking about Bill Burr's character again. In They introduce him well into this episode again, but they give you enough on his character as well. They develop his character well, giving insights into what he's gone through or what he's experienced all the way up until the end of the episode, which kind of, I just really feel serves his character very well. Mm. Just in his time talking to Mando in the transport um, when they're rushing towards getting this uh, valuable material uh, to its location but yeah i just think it's really it's really well i mean it's rick again isn't it who directed an episode actually directed the bill burr episode in the first season he's back and he's written and directed this episode and he's really delivered two amazing episodes i mean as yeah. we spoke about it before the host of different directors they're getting in everyone's bring seems to be bringing their a-game so whoever's making the choices, whether it's Kathleen Kennedy, John Favreau or Dave yeah. Filoni, or probably as a collective, I would have thought they're just hands down making some brilliant choices for these people who are writing these episodes and directing them. And it's also interesting to see a lot of the episodes to just one credit for writing. Mm. Usually sometimes you see all these things now. It's like three, four, five people have written this one thing. And I very much like the fact they're giving these people the um opportunity to really put their stamp and mark on it yeah i i mean 
I yeah, lo- I mean, lots to kind of I, to agree with what you've said, and I mean, t- first of all, with the director point of view, the yeah, with Rick uh, F- Famu Yiwa, I believe it is how you pronounce it. Um, I'll let you do the pronunciation of his <laughs> last game. Yeah, and that Harry. means though I want to insult the man, but yeah, reading it off of um, IMDb is not the easiest when it comes to laying out how it should be pronounced. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, because we've been looking out for these directors, I have to say, like, when I saw his name, I didn't instantly recognize it right away. And, it, and yeah, I mean, it's not surprising that he had done the Bill Burr episode before because there's that, that similar sort of vibe. But once I, I researched him, I realized that he, I, I mean, this director actually is one that I had kind of loved without knowing. And because he had done a film called Dope in 2015, yeah. a kind of, uh, you know, coming of age film. Um, and, if anyone, if you haven't seen it, listeners, like you really should go and check it out because it's one of those really kind of very original coming of age films um, that takes in so many kind of modern elements of, of, of you know, the life of youths these days, you know, and it's so well directed, so well written, and he did both, you know, and so, you know, once I kind of read that he had done that, you know, instantly... <laughs> his uh you know his value in my books has gone up like tenfold so to see him you know on one of the the greatest series at the moment on tv um it's 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 awesome to see him do you know do these do these episodes and and he pulls them off so well i mean whatever director they put into the seat as i said like the energy doesn't let up the 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 atmosphere doesn't really leave at all i mean they I'm sure they're working very closely with these directors in terms of tying them into the writing and, and, you know, ensuring that there's a consistent vision that is put across each episode. And for that, I think, you know, they're correcting the mistakes of the new films where there was this kind of, you know, they gave the reins to different directors and, you know, the results ended up being, you know, somewhat inconsistent and and changing from film to film. And here they're, they're, clearly you know taking a lot of control with the directors they're bringing in you know allowing the directors to have this creative freedom but you know tying them into this really well-written source material that as you said like it's only one writing credit it's only Favreau who's writing the episode so you know clearly I, I would imagine that he's probably has a big big hand in choosing these directors and you know he's chosen some some bloody great ones and they they all seem to have been you know doing a great job i mean we, you know every episode uh, in the season has been you know energetic fun and lively well written and and you know each one has had a different director so to to be able to keep up that that consistent tone and feel and and level of quality i mean it, it's yeah i mean you know for me i'm i'm crediting Favreau, you know like i, I mean <laughs> It could be, you know, Kennedy as well, but I think I feel like Favreau is so involved in this that he, uh, yeah, he must be really, you know, just trusting these uh, knows these directors and trust them to to take on his scripts in a, and and bring them to life in, in the way that he, he uh, sees fit and and that the fans are loving, really, you know. Yeah, very much so, and also. Um... Yeah, I mean, Favreau is a big part of this. It's like his whole entire career has led to this. I mean, he's wanted to tell this story for a very long time, and he's obviously the creator of the series. And I feel he probably does write a majority of the episodes. But I think Rick writes this one, and some of the directors write their own, and then sometimes it's Favreau who writes for other directors. But yes, between him, Filoni, and I know they speak to 
obviously the Lucasfilm peeps like Kathleen and they speak to George as well um, because Filoni's already always had a close relationship with George Lucas uh, across the whole entire time when he was doing the Clone Wars and all the animated stuff that he's done. So yeah. it's just it's a, a like we were talking about the ensemble of characters. It's the ensemble of people behind the camera as well because you've just got everybody. You've got Doug Chang as well providing his production design and you know the infamous Doug Chang who's obviously done so much for Lucasfilm over the years but yeah it's it's just it's one huge gigantic really successful collaboration which I which we obviously all hope they keep the same kind of tone going through all the new series that we're going to get but obviously we're going to get more Mando so that's that's one of the most exciting things really but yeah the chase scene was fantastic. And then, like, the first time, we're happy to see Stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> All this time, we're like, yes, Stormtroopers here to save the day. They've they've actually uh, done something right and not just shot a lot of um, guns off and missed every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's... Uh, and actually seeing the Stormtroopers, as you said, you know, like, we're kind of... We're given new Stormtrooper designs. And, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting, you know, as they were getting into the base, so you had these stormtroopers with seemingly aged, uh, you know, outfits, which uh, <laughs> clearly they're, you know, having to recycle some of the older ones uh, you know, from previous generations. So it's, um, again, yeah, you know, indicative of where the Empire's at and the fact that they're kind of still operational, but perhaps having to scrounge for, you know, to make sure the bottom line doesn't get too far down. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think what, you know, Following on from what you said earlier about uh, Mayfield and his character within this episode, I, I think for me one of the great parts of this episode is is exactly that that you know we are you know Mayfield is this you know w- we find out that he's this character who's been damaged by the Empire and you know this is a theme which is becoming more and more consistent throughout um, you know the kind of modern retelling of um, of Star Wars uh, through Disney's eyes. I mean we saw it in Solo that you know. Han Solo, you know, we had always known that Solo was part of the Empire, but, you know, seeing in Solo that he is, you know, a disillusioned member of, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, of the, well, I was going to say he was, he was supposed to be a pilot, but he wasn't in the end. He was a stormtrooper, sort of. Um, <laughs> so it's, I, I think it's, you know, seeing Mayfield and also, you know, Din Djarin, I mean, his face gets scanned, you know, he, he is clearly has some uh, Empire background here that we, we find out, you know. So, and I'm finding it very interesting about how, you know, <laughs> the Empire's tyranny, it's, um, you know, whilst the, the Empire, you know, thinks it's the right way to rule, uh, it's interesting that they're creating so many enemies out of their own troops, you know, that, um, you know, same with, like, for example, Finn uh, in the new new films, that, you know, you have so many characters who, because of what they've gone through in the Empire, they turn on it, and, you know, and their mission ends up, you know, being destroying it, you know, being to destroy it, so... I think that's a you know an interesting insight again into this kind of new writing and and you know the consequences of the empire and their you know uh, their wish to rule the galaxy and and you know um, under tyranny really. Yeah, yeah, and it's another because yes, like I was saying, kind of that building to the character sets up, and obviously, so uh, yeah, we get to see Mando's face again, mm-hmm. and it's. It's interesting because it was always yeah I know because it was always like wondering if we're going to see him, and when I watched 
the scenes that followed unravel where we obviously have um mando and like being able to actually see his facial expressions that so we get come like face to face with this valen hess character who's uh. is very much like typical weedy enemy kind of villain character who just you just want to punch in the face <laughs> uh, but to see blomfield's his like emotions he can't hold his emotions and just seeing mando's reactions you kind of just see this is a perfectly laid out scene to have pedro pascal like flex his acting chops in because it's such an emotional scene serious scene and kind of pivotal and interesting scene in what they're talking about that it really adds to it having Pedro being able to bring himself to the table as well and we get like the full quality of why Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian so I just it's one of the most in like intense scenes I think I've ever seen in Star Wars just this like it's really kind of you're holding your breath almost of those three guys just holding it around this table like everybody's just it's such a captive scene that you're just in it so much wondering what's going to happen if he's going to shoot and it kind of i think the only time that this is there's something similar to this is when you got solo and greedo for for a a bare few seconds across the table from each other but I think it's just a big testament to all three guys involved that this was a very brilliantly delivered scene and a perfect scene for us to see the Mando's face in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, there's many telling things about this scene which I thought were interesting. First of all, yeah, to, the tension in the scene reminds me of um, the bar scene in Inglorious Bastards. Um, yes, yes, it does. Know, where the, so. Yeah, where they're, you know, kind of, you know, uh, Michael Fassbender. Exactly. You know, when they're faking being the German troops and, and you know, they're kind of, you know, talking in German there and, and convincing them. And, you know, and you get the same here where, <laughs> where they're kind of convincing Van and Hess that, you know, of, of what they've done in the Empire, you know, and the fact that they are members of it. And, you know, <laughs> and you can feel the tension building. I mean, from the moment Valen Hess sees, you know, Mayfield kind of walk into the, the mess and then um, the, it's interesting seeing, you know, uh, Mando kind of take off his helmet to, to, you know, carry on with the mission. And, you know, you wonder whether he's been influenced by, you know, what um, Mayfield had said in the transport that, you know, um, Mandalore had been destroyed and so had Alderaan and, you know, and they had their ways and, you know, maybe they actually kind of got through to, you know, Mando in a, in a certain way that actually, like, the creed he's following is, you know, he's kind of one of the very few people who's taking it so seriously to the point where it's detrimental to him and his kind of greater mission. So, you know, you wonder whether, like, and, and you know, the influence, like, uh, that Bill Burr's character has on the whole situation and the fact that he's kind of influencing him away from his his sort of tradition. Um which you know this kind of scene perfectly highlights and and you can see why because you know Din Djarin you know he wasn't always um you know part of the Mandalore force he, uh, or a Mandalorian as such or he was in the respect that he was also part of the empire 
Um, so yeah, this scene is is very interesting. And Valen Hess is a character. He he has this. He reminds me of almost um, like a Vietnam war colonel, you know, who's really tough and seen things and you know done horrible things. But he kind of you know, it's just all part of the job for him. And, you know, I thought that was a, he was a really interesting character to bring into it because he, again, you know, like he, he reveals so much about the Empire's thinking into the current state of the galaxy and, and the fact that he, um, you know, he, he, he sees it as the way which is, is better than Republic and that, you know, the people of the galaxy are just kind of waiting for the Empire to come back and take control because, you know, people prefer order over chaos and, and also he gives that insight into the fact that the New Republic are currently, you know, experiencing some chaos or, you know, some disarray, which is, which is interesting because we, we haven't really picked up on that too much uh, until now. So to, to hear him say that, it's, um, you, know, you wonder what the sort of politics of the situation is, you know, and, 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 you know, how strong the New Republic is against the remnants of the Empire. And yeah, exactly like, you know what the situation is and the fact that he's still a high-ranking officer i mean you know he it's yeah just the empire you know their the usual tricks really you know and and they're just clearly just trying to get back to their 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 former power it just also re-watching the scene again i mean so much you said is yeah it's brilliantly um worded in the explanation of kind of where everything kind of sits and where all these characters sit within the story and within the continuous reign of the empire. But just watching it again, it's just, it's so much kudos, like Bill Burr as well. It's just his facial expressions in that scene are just so well executed and kind of just his minimalistic facial expressions towards Pedro Pascal and the communication. You can see they're kind of, having with each other without saying anything and it's almost like you know because you can tell um pedro's just like don't do this yeah and bill's going "Mm," you know okay and then the more the more this guy speaks he kind of looks at him again he's like i'm really sorry but you can kind of you can see in his eyes i've lost so many people that i knew and cared about in that time that yeah. I have to do this, like this has this has to happen, <laughs> and as as amazing as that scene was, just the perfect timing of he, he obviously shoots him, yeah. And then there's this moment, <laughs> one stormtrooper <laughs> carrying his tray, and he just looks over like, oh shit! <laughs> He's like, there's nothing I can do. I've just got my food here. My blaster is too far away. Like, what's gonna? <laughs> There's almost this pause of people like shock, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 I uh, yeah, I, I, as you said, Bill Burr's acting in this scene is he, he's really good because, like, you know, as we've been saying, his character is mainly being, you know, somewhat like comic relief and energy, and here he, you see him get serious, and the fact that actually he, you know, it's part of his character's redemption in this episode that you know he he. He wants to sleep at night, as he says. You know, he 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 understands that the empire does like terrible things, and he's been part of it, um, as we as we find out. And so to see his character, you know, <laughs> finally have enough of Valen Hess, and the and also the fact that he served under Hess is interesting as well, because he knows firsthand, you know, how evil he is, 
And I love it when he shoots him, you know, like just over the table. And he's like, you know what? Screw you, you know, <laughs> screw you in your ways. And he just, that was just such a great moment. And, and yeah, as you said, you know, seeing that storm, stormtrooper carrying his food and being like, oh, time to fight. And then just gets taken out. <laughs> it was yeah. hilarious kind of kickoff <laughs> to it. And then, uh, yeah, and, and just the kind of fight, you know, out of the base and, and you know, with Kara June and Fennec Shan, you know, carrying them with the snipers. I mean, I, I love that moment. You know, that was, again, like a really kind of great little action scene. Um, and very intense, you know, for such a short period of time. I mean, it's only kind of like five minutes, you know, end to end, but it, it's really like, you know, <laughs> quite um, quite action packed. And obviously, you know, Boba Fett, like flying in on Slave One to, you know, <laughs> rescue them off the roof. And then, um, you know, Mayfield shoots the, the the transport and blows up the base. I mean, there's so much, you know, it's kind of indicative again of Indiana Jones, you know, kind of like getting in, you know, undercover and then, you know, kind of ruggedly like fighting their way out and then blowing up the base and everyone went, you know, and the good guys win. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a, uh, yeah, it's a really kind of like, you know, action packed adventure kind of scene throughout. And then of course, you know, when, <laughs> um, just a great moment as well with Boba Fett flying away on Slave One and then dropping that charge back to take out the Tie Fighters. I mean, that's just oh, a- the charge that I don't think I've seen since. I can't remember what film that they used these in. I've very much got a feeling Django Fett is pursuing Obi Wan. Yeah. yeah, is that right? I think when so. Yeah, yeah. Through an asteroid field. Yeah, you see, he like releases some of these like zoom, and yeah. it. Kind of <laughs> That's how they go with that awesome sound, and then of course, that was a great, that was a great, great reenactment. By the way, do you like that, guys? It's uh, like you're there. <laughs> <laughs> they should get me in for some of this sound. Don't you, <laughs> you don't need any. <laughs> you don't need any of that tech, guys. Just give me a microphone. Um, <laughs> it's inspiration. <laughs> but I love we get a sound off of um, this whole episode, and we get the holo. Like um, oh, what's it called? Hologram. It's not called hologram, is it? Yeah, hologram. Yeah, yeah a hologram message from Mando to Moff Gideon. Yeah, and he, I think he finishes it with, or during that message, says the exact same line that Moff Gideon says to him mm. at the end of the first season on how much the child, like you, don't realize how much um he means to me, and he kind of replicates that, and it was just seeing that slight bit of fear in Moff's facial reactions because it's very much like Moff Gideon had the upper hand because he has the child or Grogo and now he knows that the Mandalorian is coming for him Yeah, and it's just like now it's kind of even though the Mando doesn't have Grogo at the moment it's kind of like he has the upper hand Yeah, he knows where you he knows your location and he's going to do any everything and anything in his power to find you and hunt you down. We've got a, we got our whole Liam Neeson taken on our hands. <laughs> I was, I was, I've written that down in my notes that this is like his <laughs> Liam Neeson like taken scene. And it's so funny because you know this episode we've really been comparing it against other films like Indiana Jones and, and Glorious Bastards. And yeah, I mean this this scene is so like taken like. I have a very special set of skills and a badass crew, by the way, and I'm going to come find you. And actually what I love about it is that Moff Gideon actually looks scared in this, that he's like, yeah. oh God, I'm actually like, you know, pissed off some serious players here. <laughs> yeah. Got some stuff to deal with now. Um, 
And yeah, I, I mean, that's such a, you know, an, an interesting ending scene because, you know, for like the penultimate episode, I mean, what is going to happen next? You know, I mean, you've got them like hot on the trail of Moff Gideon and, um, you know, they've already caused him so much like hassle and destruction that, you know, the, the final episode is, is, yeah, I feel like we're in for like, you know, quite a, an interesting roller coaster ride. And, you know, uh, and we still haven't heard anything about, you know, um, Grogu reaching any sort of Jedi, you know? So does that happen in the next episode or are we, or is that being saved until season three? You know, it's, um, there's so many kind of questions to be answered, but it's just, oh, God, another, you know, just another great episode to, to, to continue this, this awesome, awesome second series. I really have to say that they, every episode, I mean, as you know, as we've always said, like we come on here and we just can't hold in our excitement by how much we've enjoyed, you know, our viewing experience every Friday, you know, multiple times, you know, I, I mean, this is the third time I'm watching the episode and, it, you know, it's still, there's still kind of details and fun elements to pick out for it and just like kind of revel over because they're just, they're, they're packing in so much goodness into these episodes. You know, the, the, the writing is great. The settings are awesome. The action is just nonstop, but like, you know, in a way where it's, it's, it's just, it's innovatively done. It's not repetitive. You know, you're getting the, the best of like Mando's kind of fight scenes and, you know, Boba Fett in the last one. And then, you know, in the episode before that, where, you know, you're, they're running away from the TIE fighters in the Canyon. And I mean, there's just so many fun kind of mixes of action. And here, you know, in, again, in this episode, you get, you know, that, that kind of mix of, you know, them escaping, breaking into a base and escaping and then, uh, you know, getting away and, and carrying on with the mission. And it's just, yeah. I, it really is just a non-stop roller coaster, really, this season. And you know, thank you, John Favre. You know, from from Jedi Order podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And please, please, please give us at least a forty-five minute episode in the <laughs> in the last one. Please, even if it doesn't warrant it, just give us. <laughs> 10 minutes of just Grogo walking around eating stuff. I mean, <laughs> we just need it to round out our 2020. Come on, just give yeah. that one thing. So, uh, man, we are so excited and we can't wait for next week. It's just going to be so much fun to watch. And, um, yeah, guys, we'll see you next week for the next chapter and final chapter of season two of The Mandalorian. Hi guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you.